Facebook, the company, has announced it will go by a new name, and that name is Meta. CEO Mark Zuckerberg made an elaborate pitch for this big shift at the company. They are going to focus on virtual reality, the so-called metaverse. The last era of the web was defined by the rise of mobile phones and social media that changed our lives and transformed industries. Mark Zuckerberg says this rebrand means we're now entering a new era of the web, one where we're going to spend a lot of time in virtual worlds. It's called the metaverse. Our company is now Meta. For Facebook, the future is near. An embodied internet where you're in the experience, not just looking at it. And we call this the metaverse. The metaverse will be a virtual environment accessible through virtual reality headsets or glasses. Meta says it's invested millions in developing new products responsibly. We are very much discussing upfront uh, the harms that are possible uh, and made possible by technology or, or amplified or exposed by technology and what we can do about those things. The name change means nothing for almost everybody. Atlantic CEO Nick Thompson says there are a lot of reasons for a change like this. The main reason to this is Facebook wants to stake a claim to this thing they're calling the metaverse. The idea that there is going to be a digital world that will be very much like the physical world. We'll go into it to play, to work, to meet people. When you look at 10 years from now, what is meta? I hope we have something that is very similar to what we all just saw at Connect. Shared experiences that are much richer uh, and in our homes, potentially put on headsets that allow us to really embody ourselves in an internet. And a lot of folks are saying this is the future, these mm -hmm. digital worlds. Within a matter of years, if Facebook gets its way, a lot of us could be spending much of our lives looking something like this. Because Facebook is hiring 10,000 people in Europe to create a metaverse. For the non-nerds out there, I'll let Virtual Polly explain. The metaverse is basically the matrix. You create digital avatars of yourself, like me, and then you put on your VR headset and away you go. You can walk around a virtual world and interact with people in real time. So doing things like shopping and dancing and studying together in a virtual space. The real world may struggle to compete. Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg says that the metaverse is just the natural progression from the 2D internet to the 3D one. You can kind of think about the metaverse as an embodied internet, right? where instead of just viewing content, you are in it and you, you feel present uh, with other people, like as if you're in other places, having different experiences that you, you couldn't necessarily do on a 2D app or, or web page, like dancing. And Zuckerberg's not vying to monopolize the metaverse. It is far too late for that. The idea is that users will slip seamlessly from one virtual world into another. So instead of flying from Paris to New York, for example, you'd digitally teleport yourself from Facebook's metaverse to Google's or Apple's one. And the other big idea being talked about is this need for the metaverse to be open. So the CEO of Epic Games, which is the company that unleashed the viral game Fortnite onto the world, has been banging on about the importance of a big inclusive metaverse for quite a while now. We need to, you know, over time migrate from these closed game economies, which are like Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox and, you know, tens of thousands of other games um, to 
a shared world um, in which everybody participates. And for all you boomers quaking in your boots at the thought of this metaverse, the future is already here. Back in 2020, rapper Travis Scott played a virtual concert within the Fortnite world, which attracted over 12 million viewers, which was a record at the time. Luxury brands have cottoned on to the fact that there's bags of money to be made in the metaverse. Gucci's already unveiled a virtual collection on the Roblox platform, while Balenciaga has created a bunch of clothes or skins, as they're known, for Fortnite. There's even companies flipping virtual real estate in the metaverse. If you're struggling to understand how this works, you're not alone. There is a building boom breaking out, but it's not happening in your backyard. It is happening in a fake world. So there are many metaverses. There isn't just one. But the, the oldest one, the, the oldest crypto-based one, is called Decentraland. Land in Decentraland was selling for about $500 a parcel in 2019. Today, those same parcels are trading for about $7,800. Dystopian or what? And it's not like we weren't warned. There was the Matrix. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And this was Elon Musk back in 2018. In 25 years, probably something. I would think like there could be a whole brain interface. Like almost all the neurons are connected to your the, the sort of AI extension of yourself. It would just be that that more of you would be in the cloud, I guess, than in your body. Whether you're ready for life in the cloud or not, Facebook's announcement that it's hiring an army of developers to build this metaverse has been a raging success by one measure at least. Facebook is planning to rebrand itself with a new name to focus on the metaverse. South Korean millennials and Gen Z are also gathering in virtual alternative worlds. The term metaverse is fast becoming a buzzword in tech and business. But do you know what it means? So the word metaverse is quite a broad term, uh, but generally it refers to online spaces that allow people to interact in a more immersive way than a traditional website. This could be through the use of virtual reality, so wearing a VR headset, but people also use the term metaverse to refer to virtual environments where you have an avatar, a little cartoon person representing yourself, and you can walk around and interact with other people's avatars, like in a video game. Fans of the metaverse see it as the next stage in the development of the internet. Your different monitors. CEO Mark Zuckerberg said in July that Facebook will transition from being a social media company to a metaverse company in the next five years. They've already invested heavily in developing virtual and augmented reality headsets and glasses and will reportedly create 10,000 jobs in the European Union to bring their metaverse plans to life. We shouldn't really have to have to physically be together to, to feel present or collaborate or brainstorm. And Facebook is certainly not alone. Other investors and companies are getting excited about being a part of the next big thing. The term metaverse is popular in Silicon Valley, with Microsoft also talking about converging the digital and physical worlds. Because of the global health crisis, over the past 18 months, more people have been working from home and going to school remotely, spending a lot more time online and missing out on human interaction. At the moment, we connect with people who aren't physically near us by going to websites such as social media platforms or using messaging apps and video calls. 
But now some people think there's more demand for online spaces where people's interactions can be more multidimensional and lifelike, allowing people to immerse themselves in digital content rather than simply viewing it. There is also a specific type of metaverse which uses blockchain technology, the same technology that's behind Bitcoin. One of such blockchain-based virtual worlds is Decentraland. In there, users can buy digital assets such as clothes and even land using cryptocurrencies. Revelation 13:15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. What is the image of the beast? And how does the false prophet make an image that can be seen worldwide so that all people can worship it? The Bible does not provide many details concerning what this image of the beast is. We know this, however. The false prophet will have power to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image could speak. This breathing, speaking image of the beast will then demand worship. Anyone who refuses to worship the image of the beast will be killed. The method of execution for those who do not worship the image of the beast is beheading, as we read in Revelation 24. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. It is likely that the image of the beast is the abomination that causes desolation in the rebuilt Jewish temple mentioned in Matthew 24:15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. The Apostle Paul further clarifies what the abomination of desolation is in 2 Thessalonians 2.4, who, the Antichrist, opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What exactly is the makeup of the image of the beast, and how will people from all over the world worship it? The Bible does not say. The old speculation is that the image of the beast is a statue given the appearance of life. But with the rise of new technologies, come new theories, including a fully immersive online realm that looks similar to the real world, but is computer generated. Along with worshiping the image of the beast, the false prophet will require everyone in the world to receive a mark pledging allegiance to the Antichrist, as we read in Revelation 13, 16-18. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Whatever the image and the mark of the beast are, they will be the focal point of worship in the religion of the beast during the second half of the tribulation. Praising the image of the beast is how the deceived people of the world will worship the man of lawlessness, who sets himself up as God in the coming rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Those who do not worship the image of the beast will suffer the wrath of the Antichrist. But those who do worship the image of the beast will suffer the wrath of God, which is far worse, as we read in Revelation 14, 9-11. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. 
and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. The first of God's bold judgments is aimed specifically at the worshippers of the image of the beast, as we read in Revelation 16, 1 and 2. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth. And a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Those who refuse to bow a knee to the Antichrist and the image of the beast may be persecuted on earth, but they will be rewarded in heaven, as we read in Revelation 15, 1-4. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingle with fire, and those who had the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. The image of the beast is front and center in Satan's kingdom on earth but it will not last. The Bible specifies 42 months, or three and a half years, that the Antichrist will have worldwide influence, as we read in Revelation 13, 5-8. And he, the Antichrist, was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him, the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. An authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice it was given to him and granted to him to do these things. God is sovereign, and the Antichrist, who at this time is indwelt by Satan, has no power except what is given or granted by God. The image of the beast will be destroyed. The two beasts, the false prophet, and the Antichrist will be thrown into the lake of fire, as we read in Revelation 19, 19 and 20. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies, gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Satan will join the false prophet and the Antichrist, as we read in Revelation 20.10. The devil, who deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. After this, the Lord Jesus will establish his unending kingdom of perfection, as we read in Luke 1.32 and 33. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. If we are seeing the technology for the image of the beast and the mark of the beast, how close are we getting to the Antichrist coming on the scene and forcing the world to worship him and take his mark? Where am I? Well, it's a little bit like heaven. Only better. Daddy, Daddy, we miss you, Daddy. We miss you. Please, sir, you can be with us today. All you have to do is give me your pledge of allegiance and everything you've ever dreamed of will be yours. I would rather believe in a creator who would die for his creation than have his creation die for him. My son, I am not your 
son, Satan. And they are not my family. So be it. Make your choice. Not even your God can save you. He already is. The day of wonders. You'll make the world worship you or die. Pretty soon, everything, this whole earth, will be mine. And there's no reason for God to come back. Now, is there? Once they give me the Pledge of Allegiance, they will be mine for eternity. And those that aren't are dead. Lord, I didn't honor you as my life. By your grace, may I do so in death. Very touching. Goodbye, Thor. The signs of Jesus' soon return are so strong now, and the evidence is so clear that any person willing to accept the truth can see that the end of the world as we know it is near. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These are the ABCs of salvation. A. Admit that you're a sinner. B. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and God raised him from the dead. C. Call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. When a person comes to know Jesus as their Savior, they are brought into a relationship with God that guarantees their salvation as eternally secure. To be clear, salvation is more than saying a prayer or making a decision for Christ. Salvation is a sovereign act of God, whereby an unregenerate sinner is washed, renewed, and born again by the Holy Spirit, as we read in John 3.3 and Titus 3.5. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When salvation occurs, God gives the forgiven sinner a new heart and puts a new spirit within him, as we read in Ezekiel 36:26. I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The Spirit will cause the saved person to walk in obedience to God's word, as we read in Ezekiel 36:27 and James 2:26. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So what about repentance? Repentance is not a work we do to earn salvation. No one can repent and come to God unless God draws that person to himself. As we read in John 6:44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Repentance is something God gives. It is only possible because of his grace. All of salvation, including repentance and faith, is a result of God drawing us, opening our eyes, and changing our hearts. God's long-suffering leads us to repentance, and so does His kindness, 
as we read in 2 Peter 3.9 and Romans 2.4. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Ephesians 2.8-9 declares, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Works are not the cause of salvation. Works are the evidence of salvation. Faith in Christ always results in good works. The person who claims to be a Christian, but lives in willful disobedience to Christ, has a false or dead faith and is not saved. In the Bible, repentance results in a change in behavior. That is why John the Baptist called people to produce fruit in keeping with repentance, as we read in Matthew 3.8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. A person who has truly repented of his sin and exercised faith in Christ will give evidence of a changed life as we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A person who has not repented of their sin and exercised faith in Christ will give evidence of the works of the flesh as we read in Galatians 5.19-21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. A person who has crucified the flesh and belongs to Christ will give evidence of the Spirit, as we read in Galatians 5.22-24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Believers are born again, regenerated when they believe. For a Christian to lose his salvation, he would have to be unregenerated. The Bible gives no evidence that the new birth can be taken away. The Holy Spirit indwells all believers, as we read in John 14.17. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit baptizes all believers into the body of Christ, as we read in 1 Corinthians 12.13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For a believer to become unsaved, he would have to be unindwelt and detached from the body of Christ. John 3.15 states that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. If you believe in Christ today and have eternal life, but lose it tomorrow, then it was never eternal at all. Hence, if you lose your salvation, the promises of eternal life in the Bible would be in error. Scripture says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Remember, the same God who saved you is the same God who will keep you. Once we are saved, we are always saved. Praise God. Our salvation is most definitely, eternally secure. Time is short. Call upon the name of Jesus today. One day, Jesus is coming. You may be at church. You may be at work. You may be asleep. God grant that you will be ready when he makes his personal appearance. My God, what if his appearance occurred 